Welcome to the Sheridan Global Podcast, Brilliance Realized. We have several series like The Future of Work, Conflict Resolution, Belonging and Inclusion, and this series, Generosity in the Workplace. Generosity at work is not about financial giving, rather giving valuable time, invested attention, and genuine collaboration. Join us as our guests explore the topics of gratitude, empathy, listening, mentoring, and coaching. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. Our podcast today focuses on performance coaching with special guest, Annette Andrews, executive coach with 30 years of background in human resources, and most recently, the chief human resources officer for Lloyd's Global Specialist Insurance Market. Welcome to Brilliance Realized, Annette. Hi, thank you. Good to be here. Thanks so much for the invite. Absolutely. Well, when you think of performance coaching, you think of Annette. Tell us a little bit about you, Annette. Gosh, what a varied background. I never, ever thought I would hear anybody say that I had 30 years in human resources. How scary is that? But time flies. So a snapshot of me, I guess most importantly, I'm a single mom with two large boys who are now at university. They're the thing I'm most proud of, if I'm honest. But equally, I lived and worked all over the world during my career. So I started my career as a little baby graduate trainee at Ford Motor Company. Loved it. Brilliant experience. I was with them for 18 years. Then I worked for Lloyd's Banking Group and spent some of that time in the US living in New York with the family. And then I eventually joined the Lloyd's insurance market as the chief people officer. But I guess what I should share with you is I didn't actually live, despite this accent, in the UK until I was 10 years old. I lived and was educated East Africa, Jamaica, Saudi, Abu Dhabi, US. So quite a global child, really. Bit of a cultural chameleon who had a big, big shock when she arrived at school in the UK, age 10, which but... I've never forgotten that experience of what it's like to be different, landing in a culture that just didn't feel Mm. right or necessarily accept you. But hey, I had a fantastic career and I, I can't believe it's 18 months ago I set up my own company and I'm now an executive coach and consultant. I feel very privileged, actually, which brings us on to generosity to be honestly working with people from different sectors globally and I've learned a huge amount but hopefully I'm giving back a huge amount as well. So how would you define generosity in the workplace Annette? So for me and I know this is a a personal interpretation and we've probably all got that but for me it's about and not expecting back it's doing things that are outside necessarily what we'd think about for our day job and it's that going over and above that would really help somebody in their maybe personal and professional development Mm. it's just going beyond that little bit extra that makes a huge difference that little bit extra yeah just like really noticing what somebody might need or how you might be able to invest in them and so what are some of your personal experiences with generosity at work It's a really good point. I think it's about the way I've experienced it, actually, personally, which is when people, and this has happened throughout my career, who I have really respected and valued, have given me time. It doesn't sound much, does it? 
but that time has been incredibly important and that opportunity to learn from them as well and they've been very open and authentic mm. with me as well and I yeah. think that's a huge difference at a time when they didn't need to do that by the way mm. but they went out of their way to do that and I learned from that people call it pass it on isn't it and you yes. have to think about that as I remember in New York when I used to live in New York Starbucks really impressed me with you could buy a, your own coffee but you could buy someone else's and you didn't know who it was but it was usually somebody that couldn't afford a coffee and it's about that isn't it it's about not worrying about the cost to you but recognizing the value that it might give to someone else oh that's so profound and when you talk about time and how it doesn't seem like much but when we think about it that's really the most important thing that we have as far as our resources to give time and i've heard it described as how do you spell love T-I-M-E. Yeah. <laughs> so time is a way to express love and to support people. And it sounds like you were the recipient of that type of generosity. And then you thought, how do I incorporate this into my own leadership style? Yeah. And you know what? I now think back and it, this didn't happen just before work. This happened at school where teachers might give you that extra time and spend that time with you. I used to be a field hockey player. And I remember the coach spending extra time with me and others just to focus on one particular element or to something we needed to do. If I look back now, that made a huge difference on me thinking about, well, he could do that with us. How can I do that? And not everybody does it, do they? So you then notice the difference between those that do and those that don't. There are others that shut you down, aren't there? Mm. So in addition to, we'll use the field hockey coach as an example, in addition to becoming a better and more skillful player, what else did that investment of time give to you? The giving of the personal bit and the time, because it was clearly outside their working day, didn't Mm -hmm. have to do that. Patience, tolerance, and that transfer of learning. You know, this is really insightful. Listening to you, but also thinking about this is... It was probably, and I know it's a sporting analogy, but it's probably my first experience of coaching. Mm. I was being coached, not me and my own, but others, by someone who was investing personal time and energy into us for no benefit to them. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's such a great segue to the topic we're talking about today, which is performance coaching. And for those who are not personally familiar with coaching, Because look, we've come a long way over the years from teaching people what coaching is to now coaching being a pretty Mm -hmm. common reference or a commonly understood practice. In your own definition, in your own words, how would you describe what performance coaching is? So in a business context, I've got a passionate belief that every employee in an organization is talent. Why else would you have hired them, developed them, invested in them? It makes sense whether it's a business sense or personal sense, to continue to invest and grow these individuals. Now, everyone has a point in life when they would either benefit from reflecting further on their performance and how it could be enhanced. Let's be honest, we all have that. Or actually, there are particular challenges that they need support with. And that's okay. We all have that as well, don't we? But where coaching makes a difference, I think, it's not somebody telling them what to do 
or being a mentor and sharing their very specific experience in that area it is actually somebody saying how could you do that differently reflect on the way you've learned what have you gained from that and it's helping that reflection that thinking that probing and maybe just exploring the right area at the right time but Mm. in a way based on trust it's confidential so it creates that safe environment because finding that safe environment can be pretty challenging at work sometimes we've probably all had that yes absolutely so who makes a good coach for an individual so for those of us listening and thinking this sounds interesting i would really love for somebody to invest in my career and do that kind of exploration for me who would you recommend is a person to seek for that kind of support do you know what's really interesting i think it can be quite tough being a coach at times let me explain why you have to step back you have to try not problem solve for people you have to try not give them the answers but you have to be able to probe challenge question in an appropriate way when sometimes somebody might be quite defensive quite closed-minded let's be honest but also not really up for a discussion about how they might have got themselves into a certain situation or might not be fully considering that opportunity, which is why I think a series of sessions where you build that relationship, you build that understanding, you build that trust is so critical because as mm-hmm. I described it as peeling back the onion the other day. You're getting the layers. Human nature is you don't like to share more than the superficial a little time to peel it back sure. and a good coach can do that but in a way that doesn't feel intrusive mm. so this could be both your direct line manager your direct supervisor or an external person or somebody that you decide to engage privately or through the organization right yeah that's a really good point and maybe i'll eventually be doing myself out of job but what i would say to you is a Chief people officer, I think every manager and leader should be given the skill set to be able to ably coach their people. Because I think we've so moved on from the world of I say you do, dictatorial, to more of a coaching developmental. It's a grow model, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, explain grow model for the listeners who are not familiar. This really is a way of helping individuals think about where they are where they'd like to be, and how they can help themselves grow, literally, through that model. But they have to understand where they are versus where they want to be first. And then you help them create their own journey towards that. I think this is a really interesting point, actually. There's something about that I really like about coaching as well, which is if somebody recognizes something for themselves, that takes it on board and develops the plan for themselves, whatever that might be. It might be one thing, a couple of things, whatever they want to do. If they go through that thought process and developmental process themselves, it's more likely to stick. Mm, Absolutely. So GROW is an acronym. So explain the GROW model to us. It's four clear breakdown points, if you like. So first of all, what's the goal? What do we want to achieve by the end of this session today? Or it might be by the end of the coaching might be six sessions, but what do we want to achieve? 
Then in the R section, it's the reality check. So what's happening now? Where are we? And what resources do we have or need to be able to move this forward? Then the O bit is options. What could you do? What are the ideas we can come up with? We explore those in quite a lot of detail, actually. Look at scenario planning, maybe. Mm-hmm. The pros and cons of those. And then finally, it's the W bit, is the will. So what are you actually going to do about it? Not just what you're going to do, but when and who are you going to involve? So really, the important bit for me, it's a clear commitment. Mm-hmm. And it's not me making that commitment. It's the coachee. So they've identified what they want to achieve for their goal. They've checked out where we are now in terms of the reality, what's happening. We've gone through the options and ideas of what we can do to come up with the goal. And then the will bit is absolutely committing it to it. But they're not committing to me. So the only person they're letting down is themselves. Mm -hmm. But my role as a coach is sign them up for that commitment. And then maybe in future sessions, check on status, follow up, any issues, challenges, understanding. You can do this in one session, but that follow-up is really important. Yes. Yeah. That consistency. And like you said earlier about building trust and knowing the situation, knowing the individual so that you could be more transparent and vulnerable with each other. And then you also mentioned something else that's very important is about the confidentiality. So why don't we talk about what coaching is and what it isn't? So for me, coaching has to be done on an absolute basis of trust and confidentiality, because otherwise someone is never going to let you allow you even in those layers. There are only two scenarios for me when that confidentiality might ever be broken. And I make that very clear, both verbally and in an agreement, which is one, if there's any criminal activity going on, which sounds obvious, really, but you need to state it. But the other one is ever if there's any concern about self-harm. Very rare, but it does happen. Sure. If somebody were to harm themselves, right? Exactly. Exactly. But I think that's really important to have that basis of understanding going forward. And there's something quite important as well for you having that discussion, having that confidentiality agreement. And that's two way, by the way. Mm -hmm. And then being able to move forward from that. I think that really creates that safe space, that open environment. And it's amazing, actually. I sometimes feel so truly blessed. Mm, Privileged, yeah. Yeah, Hugely. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've been given. And I mean, sometimes I'm like, whoa. And they're saying, I've never shared this with anyone before. And I'm like, whoa. Mm. But huge privilege. But it really helps you peel it all back doesn't it Mm, absolutely and something all of us need I think I mean it's not explicitly for individuals with x y and z issues it's really something all of us can benefit from on a variety of levels so part of what coaching is is diverse right there's so much variety I mean we're talking explicitly around executive coaching or corporate coaching in the workplace but there's also coaching in your personal life and otherwise What else would you say coaching is? I'm hearing you say it's confidential, it's future focused, it's built on trust. Yeah, I think it's also a really important opportunity to focus on you and your individual development and growth. I'm Mm. I'm a life coach as well as an executive coach. And I would say to you, every time I do executive coaching, life coaching comes in. 
because it's very artificial, isn't it, to separate work and life. The other thing I would say to you is it's important to know what it's not. It's not counselling. I am not a counsellor, nor do I want to be. And I'm always very clear about that. I'm not mentoring. That's not the role I have. Neither am I your best friend or buddy. I'm somebody that will provide appropriate challenge, query, question, because the whole focus is on moving things forward. And it's for a specific period of time, for specific sessions. I'm also a great believer, and this may be controversial, that you shouldn't have a coach for life. It should be for a specific period of time, for a specific need. Mm-hmm. Because coaches can become too close, too familiar, know too much, whereas actually that ability to challenge query question is part of the value of coaching. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree with that, especially if you're hiring an external coach and you're hiring someone to work with you for maybe a transition into a new role or to work through an issue, or perhaps you've gotten some feedback or maybe you're going through the coaching so that you can gain feedback and insight about how you're affecting people. I think those are all so true. And the things that they aren't, you know, to clarify in advance with the person that you're working with to set expectations about what you will and will not be supporting them on, you know, you're not their financial advisor, you're not their legal counsel, you're not a lot of other things, but you are somebody who you said is invested in their future and their growth and development and their performance. How can they reach their potential? I think that's a really important thing to know. So you mentioned earlier about teaching leaders coaching skills so that all leaders can behave in this way. You shared Mm -hmm. the grow model. What are some other techniques or strategies or tools that you use as a coach that our listeners could start to employ in their own leadership style? One of the most powerful things I learned through my training and accreditation process you have to go through as coach is the power of listening. Gosh, that cannot be underestimated. And even though I'd had all this experience as a coach and all this experience as a senior HR professional, it really, really highlighted to me the value of listening. I impart that all the time to my coaches, which is listen. And I mean, really, really listen mm. to what's been said, but also check out the body language as well, because quite often it's the nonverbal. After you've listened, hold the moment. Really let people fill that gap if they need to, because often you listen and then you say something and there's something else that could have been said that would have been incredibly important or valuable and just missed, passed over. Whereas if you hold that moment, something more comes out. It's Nancy Klein, isn't it? The power of silence. Yes. But it's it's true. It is absolutely true. And I learned so much from that. And now I actively encourage my coaches to learn listening skills, but holding the moment. So they've really had the time to hear, distill what's being said before they react. Yes. It yeah. can save so much time, can't it, as well? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, it, and isn't that counterintuitive? Because I think sometimes the perception is, I don't have time to listen. I need to just get on with it, or I need to just tell you what to do. Because this whole like back and forth and asking questions and listening, it just takes too long. So I would rather just tell you what to do. I'll listen later. But you're saying it actually saves time. How does listening save time? We all need to do this, don't we? We need to fill the silence. Whereas actually we're missing stuff. 
The other thing I like about letting people say everything they've got to say is you've done them the courtesy of listening to them and really understanding and reflecting. If they then interrupt you, you can say, hold on a moment, I've listened to you, which is important as well, because otherwise it just ends in constant interruptions. But I think quite often, once you've really, really listened to someone and they've said everything they need to say and you've reflected on it, it will probably just come down to, you take the emotion out of it, by the way, a couple of key points. And it's really important then that you can step back, keep the emotion out of it and go, what was I really hearing there? Okay, now let's move on. Mm. And I think that's leadership. For sure. So you reflect back what you heard. You allow them to hear back or you hold up a mirror for them to see what you just saw Mm. and they can then hear it differently. Because sometimes I think it's just the opportunity to think out loud or to be heard or to express yourself because a lot of these leaders are the person that everybody else comes to. So where do they have an outlet and how can they process their own thoughts And distilling what they're saying as well. Because mm. quite often you get it in a download, don't you? And you're like, yes. whoa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you go, Let me check what I've just heard. Is it this, this, and this? Right, okay. Now let's take that and move on with it. Mm. Yes, yeah, that's... get that opportunity very often. Right. Kind of like when you're talking about the grow model, that's part of the reality. And then you help them to, let's sort out some options. Like what are some options? And a word you used earlier, Annette, was inquiry. So that curiosity and that genuine interest in knowing more about what they're upset about or what they're excited about or what they feel overwhelmed by. And you're right, an incredibly useful coaching tool is to tell me more, explain that to me. Literally, it's that onion again, isn't it? You're peeling it back. So what's really going on underneath all of this? What tell me a little bit more, but doing it in a way that doesn't feel repetitive or intrusive, but doing it in a way, explain that to me. How does that make you feel? What happens when that happens? So just phrase it and without realizing it, suddenly you're going down, down, down and down. And then the coach is like, oh, that's the real issue. We've hit the bottom now and you can really peel back about what the real issue is, which was not apparent under all those layers. Yeah, and it reminds me of your field hockey coach. Yes. Right? Taking time with an individual, with the talent, yeah, and peeling back the layers, listening, and then imparting what you're seeing or what you know yeah. from your own experience or what you would ask for them to consider. And then walking away with a specific goal or an action, like when you talked about that willingness and that personal accountability to what am I going to do about this? What action am I going to take to help to move this forward? And so for individuals who are listening, who manage people and can practice some of the things that you're talking about, that's really helpful, maybe in the one-on-one conversations, Mm -hmm. right? And then- For some, you might be looking to hire an external coach, a process partner, somebody that you will work with for a period of time. Like you said, you would set your explicit goals and your time period. And then for others, it might be other people in your life that you, maybe you co-coach, you call it like a success partner or something. So these are skills that have such range in a variety of different relationships in our lives. 
you made me think again about my field hockey coach all of those years ago. He did something else that I really didn't value until today, actually, until this conversation, which is he didn't have one approach. He didn't take the one size fits all. He adapted his style of coaching mm. to different individuals' needs, but also was able to do that as a team and as an individual, which that's quite a skill set, isn't it? Absolutely. So thinking about leaders who are coaches, they need to be able to adapt their style to the different needs of their team members in those one-on-one discussions. And they're all going to be at a different point with different challenges. But equally, when you bring a team together is, you know, the individuals, but equally, you're working with a whole team now and how you can maximize the potential of the whole team, not just the individuals. Yes. Powerful, actually. What an opportunity as a coach when you're a leader. Yes. And you're right. And it's that adaptability and that having a bunch of tools in the toolbox. And I think it goes back to something you said earlier about listening is knowing about each of your players or each talent. What do I think would spark this person or what do they seem to get, you know, really motivated by and how can I speak to them in that tone or use some of those tools to help stimulate them. I think that's so important. And for those who are feeling overwhelmed potentially by hearing this and thinking, oh my gosh, so now I have to ask powerful questions. I need to really actively listen. And then I have to adapt my approach to different styles. Like if there was one thing that you wanted our listeners to practice today with whoever they're speaking with, it could be a direct report, a colleague, a child, a parent, what would it be? Build a relationship. Build that relationship on trust, mutual trust and confidentiality, and people will open up. Betray that trust and it's gone. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether that's personal or professional, but if you can show that trust, share that trust, people will open up and then they get that, which goes all the way back to our beginning of our conversation, that sense of belonging mm-hmm. and that sense of caring and support. And I think that's a really important basis to build it on. Then people let you in. They'll let you work with them. And it is working with them. Mm -hmm. People go at different paces, but peeling back those layers. Yes. Because what I'm hearing you say in that, Annette, is that your interest is what's best for them. Yes. Right. It's about them. That's what I'm hearing a lot. And what you're saying is like, how are you investing in and being generous to another person, not so that you look good or that you get the praise, but so that that person benefits from that investment. And that's leadership for me. You know, as a coach or as a leader, it's giving part of you, it's giving your time, but recognizing this is for the for the greater good, actually, not just for your benefit. Mm. So there's a lot of benefit and value and return on this type of generosity. As a chief human resources officer, you were responsible for, or I'm sure led talent management processes and reviews. What can you say about, in a generalization, not about specific individuals, but in general, leaders who you would describe as generous leaders, how would they have fared in terms of evaluation versus those who appear to be more self-serving? We could spend a whole separate podcast, couldn't we? But I would say to you, the key differentiator for me is those leaders literally didn't think about it from a self perspective. They were putting themselves in that other individual's or their team's shoes. And that happened 
before the individual was even hired and through the door, they'd think about the support they needed for onboarding, maybe getting them a coach. How could they make them feel part of the team before they joined? When they're part of the team, they're thinking about them as an individual, personally and professionally, not just from a work context. They're thinking about the whole person. And then they're also thinking about them as a team, as a group as well. Mm. And it's you're right. It's all about the give, not the take. And honestly, the payback is, I'm going to sound like an HR person again now, is you attract other people because they want to be part of that team. You get reduced attrition because people want to stay in that team. And it's not about the financials. It's part of that sense of belonging. But you also get increased performance because people feel valued, listened to, trusted, supported, and you create a safe place for innovation and creativity, which is critical. And then finally, I'd say to you, we've all probably have this experience of teams we wouldn't want to go back and work for, or managers or leaders we don't want to work for. But equally, we will all remember those teams we work with or those leaders we work with that created something very special. And it's all around that. I call it like the three musketeers, all for one and one for all. You're all in it together and you know you're absolutely supported throughout of it. And that is a huge engagement differentiator. Ah, Thank you, Annette. Thank you for sharing with us your personal experiences, your background and story, some tools and models and some words of encouragement for us to really model that coaching approach to our leadership. And that call to action to build relationships and really develop trust, deep trust, so that you can peel the onion and get all of those rewards that you just shared with us. Thank you for being a special guest on Brilliance Realized. Well, thank you. Thanks for the invite. Thank you for listening to Sheridan Global Podcast, Brilliance Realized, Generosity in the Workplace. Please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Check out our other series and stay generous, everyone.